0: Are you ready to take your accounting career to new heights? Look no further. You're listening to From Zero to Millions, Accounting Edition. I'm Kelly Roars.
1: And I'm Bilal Mihanna Together, we bring you treasure trove of expertise in the world of accounting. As the founders of our own firms, we truly understand the challenges you face day in and day out. Our combined experience with small and online businesses, paired with our background in accounting and entrepreneurship, is sure to help you bring your firm to the next level
0: together we'll deep dive into essential topics like staffing technology billing goal setting hr and tax planning we're here to provide practical advice that applies to cpas accountants and business owners alike so don't miss out on the opportunity to supercharge your accounting career and build the firm of your dreams Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of From Zero to Millions, Accounting Edition. Today we have Mr. Randy Crabtree. Welcome, Randy.
2: (laughs) Mr. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on the show.
0: Well, Randy, I feel like we have an accounting celebrity here with us today. He is the co-founder and partner of TriMerit Specialty Tax Professionals, host of one of the Best accounting podcast out there, The Unique CPA. He is an author on various articles in Accounting Today, AICPA Tax, CPA Trendlines, Intuit. He's a member of the Intuit Tax Council. He was just named one of the 100 most influential people in accounting on Accounting Today's list in the last couple of weeks that came out. Randy, you're like everywhere. So thank you so much for gracing us with your presence on today's episode. you
2: buttering me up way too much here. I don't know what's going on, but thank you. I appreciate it. I'm really looking forward to this discussion. But we forgot one thing, the Bridging the Gap Conference, and I'm very proud of that. It was a big deal first year last year, and it exceeded my expectations, which was so much fun.
0: I definitely can't wait to talk about that. That's awesome.
2: Yeah,
1: so I would say with your background, you have a history in the accounting world and well-known, obviously, with all the accolades you have accomplished. You have a computer science background, and you went from there to accounting to specialty tax. Give us the preview of how you went from computer science to specialty tax, which is very complicated. as complicated as computer science.
2: Yeah, it's a strange journey. I'm never afraid to take a risk. And I probably should be at times, but I'm never afraid to like see an opportunity and run with it. Like you said, originally, I was computer science degree. I'm old. Computer science back then was punch cards at the very beginning is how we were programming things. But I really enjoyed it when I was in high school. There was a class in high school. There was two of us in the class. And it was like, this is pretty cool. So I ended up getting my degree in that. And then when I got out in the real world, I realized that I didn't really like sitting at my desk just looking at the screen nonstop, although it does sound like accounting at times, but accounting doesn't have to be that. So after about a year out programming, and it was probably the place I was working at, realized that this is not my future. And my friends who were in sales were making lots of money, 30000 when I was making 22000 So there was lots of money. And I thought, hey, I'm going to try sales. And I was awful at it. i learned but it was just, I had no passion for what I was doing. And then I'll try to make this a fairly short story. So then one day I'm driving down North Avenue in Chicago. I stopped the car at a phone booth again, showing my age at a phone booth and called my wife and said, Hey, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to go back to school full time. I'm going to be a CPA. And she was like, what's going on here? What are we talking about? And then pretty much we'll talk when we got home. But that's what I ended up doing. I ended up, Quitting for a summer and two semesters of school, got enough hours to take the CPA exam and went out and passed in two attempts, two each time. I've always been an entrepreneur. I was 16 years old. I started my first company. Technically, probably was an entrepreneur at 12 doing my paper route because you were in charge of everything. But when I went back to school for accounting, the whole goal was four years of working for other firms, and then I was going to go start my own firm. So that's where the accounting end of things came in. And I did it about three and a half, Start my own firm. I probably wasn't ready. Looking back, well, I won't even say probably. I wasn't ready.
1: I did three years, three years, a uh, few months.
2: Okay. You were probably more ready than me.
1: No, I didn't help. My first hire was a tax manager. So I was like, I need help. I know how to do clients and all of this, but things. invite somebody to see if I'm doing things right.
2: All right. All right. So that's pretty early in the career to do that. I worked for one great firm for about two and a half years. And I worked for a firm that I learned a lot of things I do not want to do from for about only three months. Because it was like, again, going back to I'm not afraid to make a change. I saw that this place I went to after two years working for this great firm, this new firm, needed another two years experience because I had to see how other people were doing it. And it was awful to the point in time I just walked out on the job without another job. I wasn't going to put up with it. But then went back to the first firm. They took me back. Kelly, when you and I were together, I was talking about corporate culture out in Maryland recently. This first firm, they taught me all kinds of good things about how to create a good corporate culture And I've carried that forward with me ever since. And so they're great. The first people that I reached out to were one of the first when I got that award Kelly mentioned earlier, the top 100, was those two gentlemen. That was 35 years ago. And I wanted to thank them for what they've taught me over the years. Do you want me to move on to getting the specialty tax? I know I can go on for a while here.
1: Well, you started your firm, right, at that time. And after that, you were there for a minute. And what made you start the specialty tax? Most CPA firms don't go that route. A lot of people I know, either they were starting at a firm that was doing R&D or doing cost and just, they were. There. but you went public accounting, did your own thing for a minute, and then you did special tax.
2: Yeah. Actually, when I did start my accounting firm, I ran that for about 15 years as a generalist firm. And so I've been through it all. And honestly, and I shouldn't say this because, I mean, I know Kelly's wrote an article about this as well, but... Burnout was getting me when I had my generalist firm. And I'm just telling you right now, there's so many things you can do different to avoid burnout. I didn't know these things back then. And so what happened in 2006, I started my firm in 91. In 2006, I was doing real estate development at the same time, decided to get out of public accounting because the hours were crazy and the real estate development I was enjoying, having fun. And so sold the accounting firm to concentrate on real estate development. Six months later, my partner and I in real estate development couldn't get along, so he bought me out. Then I had to decide what was next, and specialty tax kind of just kept calling to me. I just started hearing more and more about the R&D tax credit and saw there was a huge opportunity there for somebody to go attack R&D tax credits like a professional services firm would want them, you know, fully documented, fully supportable, not playing the audit game. And so I ended up going to work for another firm for six months, which... I thought I could do. I'm not good at working for other people and that didn't work out, but I saw the opportunity when I was there. And so my partner and I both were there. We left and we started Trimerit in May 7th of 2007. And it's been a fun ride since.
0: Wow. It's so refreshing to hear these backstories because I think a lot of accountants feel stuck Right. Yes, if you're a firm owner, you can feel stuck too. But if you're working for somebody else, there are other options out there. You don't have to go out on your own. You could go out on your own and grind and have this general public accounting firm and niche in something that you're good at. But there is a ton of roles out there. And it sounds like you really got experience in so many different avenues as a CPA to get to this ultimate position where you get to play so much now. And that entrepreneurial spirit, really, from day one, it sounds like, and this is a common theme on a lot of the episodes, like a lot of people who are out on their own have been trying to go out on their own since they were 10 years old. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's an amazing thing to look back at these journeys and help inspire others. There are other options out there if you're feeling stuck. Yeah,
2: and well, what you just said is one of the most important things, and you said quickly, but niche. I was a generalist. I was not great at anything. I was okay at a lot of things, but there was no passion. I was working with a Burger King and a hair salon and a construction company and a doctor's office and a lawyer's office and all these different things. And how could I be the expert at every single one of those? I couldn't. And that's what I found with Trimerit, with specialty tax, finding a niche and then finding a niche that you're passionate about. Man, I love going out and talking about tax credits and incentives. Somebody on Facebook was just putting some out the other day that said, hey, I want to learn about R&D. And then all these people start tagging this person. Hey, talk to Randy Crabtree. I just set up a call with her today because I get to go educate somebody on something that I love to talk about. So if you can find your niche and you can build that into your practice, man, that's golden.
1: I would say like for you on the TriMerit, you started out with a part. Was he a partner engineer? Was he also a CPA
2: no, he's an engineer. Good call. Yeah, he, we covered both ends, which was a perfect fit.
1: Usually, especially tax, you have to call on all the CPA firms to give you business and other potential companies to give you a business. A little different than your own CPA firm where you go after the business owner, right? It's like a little different. How did you start building that up? Because you started your CPA firm for a while and then now you start from scratch. No clients, no industries, no everything.
2: What was the first things you did Yep, that's a great question because business development is important, obviously, and you hit the nail on the head. It was other tax professionals that I went out to, to talk to right away. I had a group that I knew locally here. I'm in the Chicago suburbs, and there was one large firm that was in this group that we would meet occasionally for lunch when I had my generalist firm. And the first thing I did is I called them. I knew they worked with a lot of manufacturers and I called them and told them what I was doing and said, hey, can I support you by bringing R&D tax credits to your clients? And right off the bat, first day in business, I went into one of their clients and walked out with a $20,000 check in my hand. We used to take deposits. We do not do that anymore. But walked out with a $20,000 check in my hand. I thought, you know what, this might work. And so from day one, the philosophy was We're going to go to business through, I say, CPA firms, generically, accounting firms, tax professionals. I know, exactly. I actually feel guilty sometimes that my podcast is called The Unique CPA because that's really the unique accountant, but CPA rings a little better. So from day one, the philosophy was we're going to them. We're going to educate the tax professional on these opportunities. We're going to make them the hero in this. This is not us. Saving them the money. This is your tax professional that has brought this to you. We're there to facilitate this. And we started that direct to firms. And then we ended up becoming preferred providers for a bunch of different associations. And we get into the groups. And when that happened, we started pretty much in the Midwest. And when we started being part of these associations, we expanded all over the country. And we have people all over the country now. We support firms. I think we've probably done work in every state at this I'm guarantee we've done work in every state at this point so yeah it was that one to many but also as a CPA what would I think if somebody went into my client and tried to sell them some kind of tax services that would not be a good way to build a relationship with that firm so it was kind of also I guess self-serving from that standpoint that we could build relationships that way.
0: Your firm now is here to help support other CPAs, make them look like heroes. And I feel like a lot of smaller accounting firms, maybe just getting caught in the day to day operations. They're so busy. They're not really taking advantage of these higher level tax planning opportunities. And there's so much value in what you provide, but I think people still have their blinders on. They don't know exactly what some of these big things are and I think if you can just give the top things that people come to you for like R&D and cost segregation like we don't need to go into the weeds here but I think people need to know what exactly you're offering.
2: Yeah so let's start with R&D real quick so R&D tax credits and and people have been probably hearing this recently because of the whole 174 R&D expense capitalization rule that kicked in two years ago. Just by the way, and who knows, I don't know when this is running, but there's a chance where there's movement that 174 fix could come out in early January. I don't know. Yeah, it's getting some strong movement right now. Again, I don't know if this is going to be evergreen. And by the time people listen to this, it'll something is yay or nay, but we'll find out. So January next month or January 25? January next month. They leaked some information this week from members of Congress saying, hey, we're a lot further along in these negotiations than most people think we are like we feel like something can get done and it's tied with the child tax credit and I think bonus too I think bonus is tied in with all this as well bonus depreciation so it'll be interesting so R&D pretty much if you have a manufacturer or software developer as a client you need to think about R&D tax credits it's anytime you're developing a new or improved it doesn't have to be new to the world stuff new or improved and this is actually what the code says. Product, process, technique, formula, invention, or software. Software specifically called out. And the interesting thing with software is anybody can be developing software they're using internally. And so mm-hmm. there could be hidden R&D tax credits that you don't even know are there because you have a law firm that develops software and you never think in a law firm does R&D. So that's r and D. I'm going to leave it quick, but it's a very beneficial credit. Just as a side note. The documentation requirements have significantly increased in the last year and a half, and mm-hmm. they're going to further increase. And so we rebuild our whole process over the last year to change the way we document these. So just understand that because it's very important.
0: And if somebody thinks that they may be eligible for an R&D credit or they have a client that maybe they're doing something that might qualify for this, do you offer consultation or what does that look like?
2: Yeah. So pretty much all of our services, we do a free analysis to see if it's a yay or nay. Yeah, there is something. No, there's not. We only get paid if we ended up going forward with whatever we do, whether it's R&D or COSIG or 178ID or any of these. It's if they move forward and the client was able to take advantage of it. So, yeah, everything is an upfront free discussion to see if it makes sense or not. And that's a risk we take on. But we know pretty early in the process if there's something there or not.
0: If anybody's listening, you know, it's not going to cost you anything to start asking these questions to your clients and bringing this forward to a company like Trimerit. And you could look like the superhero.
2: That's our goal. But you just said if anybody's listening, you definitely have people listening. I've seen the numbers. They're increasing.
1: They're trying. It only make you look good. You make money off of it. You and your client money. But I know like other R&D companies that do this, provide the profit sharing, free sharing?
2: We do that. It's a percentage of our fee. For R&D, I think it's usually 20% of our fee that the tax professional can share in, and that's the tax professional's decision You know, to do that or not do that, but most do. It's funny, over the last 16 years, at the beginning, everybody took the fee. Then it went down the other way where nobody was taking the fee. And now we're back to everybody's taking the fee. And, and I don't see why not. You're the one that's bringing it to them. You're the one that is you know, identifying opportunities. And so I think it makes sense. Plus, you have time involved in it. And stop giving away your time.
1: Taking the fee that you would have charged anyway. So for me, the rent doesn't matter. But you look good if I have a client. Every big firm does that. Big firms that don't have an R&D department, they outsource it. They look good if their client.
2: That's one thing that I think is important. And you kind of both mentioned it early on is just building your practice, the whole building strategic partnerships with other people. Because, like, when I was a generalist, I couldn't be an expert at everything. You can't now either. And just not even using specialty tax. You know, our state and local tax is just so complex. There's no way you okay. can all know all that. And so, finding somebody that is niched in that, I think that kind of thing is so important. Obviously, what we do as well, but there's many things out there like that that I think rather than spending time trying to educate on something that you're going to use sparingly find a strategic partner to team up with and do these things
1: 100% no one knows everything and the client doesn't expect you to know everything and overall you would win out your client if you say okay I know something about say but I don't know every state taxes but I'm gonna bring an expert for that or I know you might have R&D because based on your questions you told me let's bring in Randy to ask you questions, okay? Or I know you might call up with Costa. Let's bring in, you know, i for that. So I think that helps the client know that you are on the lookout for his business,
2: for their business, and you're bringing an expert to really solidify that. Yep. It's almost like you're the quarterback for their team. You know, hey, we're going to coordinate everything for you. You're the head coach of the team and you're going to bring in the best quarterback you have, the best running back you have, the best whatever. And this is a new analogy I just came up with. So we'll see if I like this one or not.
1: As Kelly mentioned, TriMet is ranked 5,000. You mentioned in on the show, you created the first Bridging the Gap conference. This year was the first conference or was the last year's first conference?
2: So 23 was the first. We had two virtual conferences before that, but I count that as a different thing because it is completely different. But this is the first year of it and it was great. We already got all the information up for the 24 conference. It's on our website. So they're always in
1: Rosemont, Illinois or a different place all the time?
2: At this point, it's going to continue to be at Rosemont until we get tired of Rosemont. It's a great location. You know, O'Hare Airport, everybody can get in and out easy. There's lots of restaurants right nearby. The venue is great. But the conference itself was not your typical county conference. It's not technical, how you use QuickBooks or taxish, technical tax. It's more about practice management, but practice management from a standpoint that let's not get ourselves into this burnout trap. Let's figure out how we can be better. Mentally, physically, how we can work less, make more, be more efficient, build these relationships, be part of a community. We actually had a wellness room manned by a yogi the entire time she was going through classes. So it was that kind of thing. It'll be very similar this year. We'll get a little more technical this year on a few things. But again, it's still all around being better physically, mentally healthy, work less, make more build a profession that we can be proud of and that can attract other people.
1: Nice. Nice. How many days usually is it?
2: Last year, we did one and a half days. We did a pre-workshop, half-day workshop, which was optional. And then one and a half days. This year is going to be two and a half days. So that'll probably be the format going forward. Two and a half days of conference.
1: And do you go into details like tax planning and building a firm? So is it good for new startups and good for established firms?
2: Yeah, for both. It's called bridging the gap because I want to bridge this gap between a lot of things. One of them is just firms. I got all these modern startup firms that are so cool, doing really interesting things, more progressive in my mind. And then I have these top 400 firms that are great, making tons of money, been doing it for years, but not as nimble. And if somehow we can learn best practices from both of those groups... I think that it can just help us all. So that's one of the gaps I want to bridge. I want to bridge the DI gap. I want to bridge just all kinds of things that I see because I'm very fortunate. I am part of both of those groups, the Modern Startup Firm group. I'm part of the Top 400 group. I've met all these people. They all do awesome things. And I just want to be able to highlight and share their knowledge. And that's one reason the conference is there so we can all learn from each other.
0: And I think I speak for anybody listening, again, and just the accounting community that we appreciate you putting your resources into bringing an awareness of this because I think the name of the conference is perfect. There is such a gap. There are so many issues in public accounting. And the first thing that you brought up with Bridging the Gap from the old to the new is I think going to be the focus of the whole industry, whether it be talking about firms or the way that we're doing work with technology or even the CPA exam and entering the field and going into, you know, all these old expectations of what you should do if you want to be an accountant. I think not only is it going to change, but it has to change, right? There's no choice at this point. So thank you for that.
2: Yeah, just to that point, I'm just going to give you a quick uh, story. So I'm on group text chats with tons of different groups, but there's this one that we're all really good friends and all in the profession. And this morning there was just just chat going around about how stressed out everybody is right now. And it just makes me sad that I see this, that this is happening because these are progressive people I'm talking about. These are firms that are trying to do things different and they're still not over that hump. And so the first thing I was like, I obviously got to work harder because these are people that are very close to me and they're still going through this. How can I have at least a little teeny effect on them to help them be better? And we can, there's so many things we can do. And this is honestly, looking back at it, it's an awesome profession and so much opportunity in it. When I saw this group starting to complain a little bit, I'm like, no, we can't have this. We have to figure figure out something
1: different. I agree. I would say there's some balance. As you do a startup, you got to work a lot to build the firm, right? But there's this foundation you have to start with, the pricing. You have to make money. If you're working a lot and not making money, that's horrible. It's a bad mix, right? And you have to have a goal where eventually my plan by doing this foundation, this pricing model, whatever I'm going do, I want to hire in the future because I have enough profit, I hire good employees. Eventually, I'm going to start working less as an owner. Because every owner works a lot in the beginning, but... The goal is to not work as much. Once you build the foundation, once you bring in good employees in place, they take off stress from you. But I think it also shows from your example, your journey, you were from computer science, and then we got your CPA, then you started your firm. You didn't like what you had. You you went through it for many years and you decided, oh, what? I'm gonna change directions. I'm gonna go back, do real estate, then oh, I don't like real estate, I'm gonna do this. And it shows that if you do 10 years in this one thing, it's not too late to change. If you don't like it, don't stay in it. If you don't like the firm that you built so far with all the bad pricing added by clients, sell a firm or close it down and start a new firm with the new pricing and new model. It's never too late. It's too late on your health, because if you keep doing this way, you're a burnout and you just can't quit and I don't know what you're going to do eventually.
2: Yeah. And I think what you said, yeah, you can sell it or you can just get rid of the clients that you don't want to deal with anymore. You can transition clients to more of a relationship pricing. You can work with less clients at a higher dollar value. You can show them the value of what you're bringing to them now because you are their concierge or whatever you're going to be for them. And I love the aspect of being able to show value, you know, hey, yes, you're paying me more now, but here's why you're paying me more and here's what you're getting for. Here's the opportunities we have together. And to go along with that is something we talked about before is niche, especially if you've got clients you don't like. Well, that's probably not a niche. That's not an industry you like, or it's their personality as well, but you can have a niche personality too that you like to deal with. Maybe it's a family owned business is your niche, whatever industry they're in, or you would like dealing with fine dining restaurants, okay, start getting rid of the clients that aren't that and every new client have that. And so even if you've been in business for 20 years, you can start to change your firm to be the firm that you're going to love. Because this is an industry that, like I said already, but so much opportunity. It can be fun. It is fun. Every single day I have fun. I shouldn't say that because I already said I don't work, but I do have fun every single day. I just enjoy this profession.
0: You took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say right now, there's nothing but opportunity in this field. So we can look at the field like there's a huge problem and everybody knows it, right? But for the ones who can kind of see on the other side, if you're willing to change and you're willing to adapt to this environment, there are a million clients out there. We are not in competition with each other. You can raise your prices, you can use different technology, and I don't foresee there being any issue to entering the field for another 20, 30 years, honestly. Just to kind of wrap things up here today, we touched upon Randy's awesome backgrounds and all of the wonderful things he did prior to TriMerit and the value that you are really contributing to the accounting profession. But for those who are listening to the podcast, most of us are either small firm owners or maybe just grinding really hard to get to that point. Maybe just not ready to take that leap of faith, but might be going out there on their own. What is your biggest piece of advice to those listening today?
2: It's basically what I just said. Find their passion within your practice. And there is. And so just to give you an example on that, I was managing partner of our firm for the first 10 years. I didn't realize until I gave that up. I was not passionate about that at all. So just because you start a practice doesn't mean you have to do everything. You both already said this. You don't have to do everything. Stepping back from that role is really when we took off as a company because honestly, I didn't like it and I probably wasn't good at it. Look back, I hate process and procedures and KPIs and all that stuff. And my partner who started Trimerit with me, that's his passion. He loves it. I should have known this before. I should have looked deeper to see this before. So he took over that role. I took over the company evangelist role, whatever I am out speaking. And honestly, we went in that six year period from probably about two million in revenue to twenty five million in revenue. And it was because we both found our roles, found our passion and went forward with it. So find your passion in your practice and try to build your role around that.
0: Love it. Really the moral of the story here, I think we all need to do a little self reflection, whether you're crushing it and you know, you think you're on top of everything. Look at what you're doing. Look at what you love and you're super passionate about and make sure you're outsourcing those other things that you're not great at. Thanks again for coming on the podcast and. If you're interested in pursuing additional tax planning options and checking out these tax credits, definitely reach out to TriMerit. See what's a good fit for you or your clients. Check out Randy's podcast. Definitely look at this Bridging the Gap conference because I'm going to try to make it. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of great people who are going to be there. And thanks again for joining us.
2: Thank you both for having me. This was fun.
0: We're signing off on another week's episode of From Zero to Millions, Accounting Edition. Thanks, guys.
1: If you've been loving the energy and insights we bring to each episode, we'd love to hear from you.
0: Head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and written review to let us know what your favorite part of the show is.
1: Your feedback helps us reach more professionals who could benefit from the show and create more episodes you love.
0: We can't wait to hear your thoughts.